Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. All right. What's ahead for digital assets in 2022? We're speaking with expert James Quinn, managing partner at Q9 Capital. They're based in Hong Kong. James, good morning. Welcome to Money and Me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, we know that you're based in Hong Kong. Can you give us a sense of Q9 Capital, what what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, Q9 Capital is a cryptocurrency and digital assets investment platform. So whereas some other platforms might specialize in active traders, active retail traders or professional traders who are kind of doing crypto or digital assets full time, we specialize in investors. So that can be anywhere from individual retail to corporate investors or private wealth investors who want to put their money in and for the long term into cryptocurrency and digital assets. Are investors in North and Southeast Asia your main area of focus? Certainly most of our clients are from Asia. Um, but we do serve a global client base. So Southeast Asia, East Asia in particular, but all over the world, we have Middle Eastern clients, European clients, clients in the Americas as well. So fair to say it's high net worth investors, family offices, wealth managers that you're looking at? That's definitely a large part of our client set, but we're actually open to all types of investors. Okay. So this is so that we get a sense of, uh, you know, your background before we jump into your views on the cryptocurrency market. Um, first up, can you share with our listeners the sort of access points to the market that Q9 provides? Yeah, sure. So we have um, the individual product sets that you'll find common in, you know, traditional finance as well as crypto. So we have spot trading, which you can, you know, uh, basically just buy and sell cryptocurrency and digital assets. We have fixed income or yield products. We have structured products available in certain regions to certain clients. But we also have investment portfolios. So if investors want to just allocate some money into crypto or digital assets, they can set up their own baskets or pick ones off the shelf that kind of give them a nice broad exposure into the marketplace. So it's sort of a real easy decision-making process and to start allocating their capital into the space. So our main access point is to, to serve those investors who are sort of new to the space. Um, generally, our clients are you know, either previous crypto investors, but ones who aren't doing it full-time, mm-hmm. or folks who are completely new to the space, but really trying to get involved now and who, who have learned a lot and will continue to learn a lot, as we all are, uh, about digital assets and crypto. So crypto assets have had a pretty rough start to 2022. Some observers say crypto is more closely tied to stocks than gold, uh, investment-grade bonds, and major currencies, implying that its diversification benefits have large vanished. What do you think? Are crypto assets increasingly correlated to equities? Um, I'll give you the somewhat complicated answer, which would be yes and no. <laughs> so I guess there's really, you really want to talk about, when you think about correlation, there's really roughly two causes of correlation. One is our, our assets similar to each other uh, in what they are. So maybe gold and silver might be something you think about, which all folks can realize are somewhat similar. But then there's who's holding those assets, right? So nothing's really changed about crypto and, and digital assets that's making them you know, much closer to particular equities now than they used to be. But you do have more institutional investors coming into the space. So now you have uh, investors who are holding both crypto and uh, holding traditional assets in large quantities. So particularly when the market sells off aggressively, which we did see in equities and somewhat in crypto at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. um, you can have higher correlation on those sell-offs. That having been said, actually, crypto and digital assets have broken that trend uh, in the last week. Uh, crypto's rally continues to be up today, and 
So you do see that it does perform on its own. Um, it's just in those times when markets selling off where things become correlation one, which has kind of been commonplace for all assets generally in the last 10 to 20 years. So the price of Bitcoin climbing more than 6% yesterday hit its highest level in a month, uh, rose as much mm-hmm. to 44500 for Bitcoin. That's its highest level since January the 5th. Um, you know, as, as somebody managing wealth in this field, how do you explain Bitcoin's core value proposition? I mean, what are the metrics that you use? Well, I think um, there's lots of different metrics, right? It's a new network. It's a new technology in terms of blockchain. It's the most decentralized and perfect collateral out there in terms of digital assets. But for our investors, they like to think about a couple a couple aspects. First is the store of value and the alternative money scenario. Mm-hmm. And let's you know talk about sort of maybe not perfect liquid money, right? Because right now Bitcoin is somewhat used, but not uh, used at so much in day to day transactions. That in crypto is actually starting to happen more with stable coins than it is with Bitcoin in particular. But that's certainly something for crypto that people are thinking about in terms of exchanging value. But Bitcoin in particular, being so decentralized uh, and being, you know, as they say, censorship resistant to what's happening in fiat currencies, I think is something that our investors can get their head around and think about. Maybe you guys are familiar with the story that happened in uh, China earlier this year where um, mining was banned. Mm-hmm. Right? And actually hash rate came back, which is um, really the amount of power being put into the Bitcoin network. You know, pretty soon after that, so those miners were able to move to other locations and continue mining. So as you kind of see, the, the, the decentralization of Bitcoin sort of proved itself in that scenario as it has in the past. And so I think in a, in a world that, you know, people are thinking about, let's say, deglobalization, they're liking Bitcoin as an alternative asset, even if on a daily correlation basis, it might not look as good as it did historically, they do see it as a decorrelated asset in the long term and an alternative asset, but also a gateway to new technology, to blockchain technology, to decentralized cryptocurrencies. And once, you know, our investors, but I think all investors start to get into cryptocurrencies and they might start with Bitcoin, which is certainly the most common, then they start to discover Ethereum, they start to discover the other uh, layer ones and other t- blockchains that can run smart contracts and all the different things that you can do in the space. So I think there's a lot of different metrics that one can, can use to um, look at investing with. The dominant force in financial markets today is a tightening of monetary conditions by central banks. What are your views on how um, the, the tightening by the Fed could impact the digital asset space? Well, I think we're already seeing a little bit. I think you saw it in the correlation you mentioned earlier. So, you know, um, I, I think, interestingly, crypto is, is, is seen a bit like a technology stock in some ways, right, where you're, you're thinking of technology investment and those that tended to be hurt by um, sort of the, uh, you know, the end of low rates, if you will. But at the same time, you've seen some assets move, I think, from those sort of big name tech stocks into crypto, which we saw in the rally this week, et cetera. And, you know, interestingly as well, specifically to Bitcoin, which is seen as somewhat of an inflation hedge, in the short term, it's probably, quote unquote, bad for uh, Bitcoin if the Fed is going to raise rates and curtail inflation because Bitcoin is seen as an inflation hedge. But I think simply the fact that inflation is now a real metric, uh, really something that investors are thinking about, not just in terms of what the Fed is doing, but for their outlook for the next five to 10 years, um, I think that really bodes well for digital assets and cryptocurrencies in general and alternative currencies as people will really have one eye on what all fiat currencies are doing, uh, you know, relative in the world going forward. 
How have you been dealing with recent volatility in terms of managing clients' expectations? It's funny. Um, I think our clients actually, we, we, we actually had a, a huge increase in the amount of client onboards in the last uh, couple months. Mm. So actually, since the market sort of started to go sideways in kind of late November into December, and then uh, the bigger sell-off happening in January, our client onboards actually picked up substantially. Because um, what we found is there was a lot of people sort of waiting to you know, sitting on the sidelines, thinking about getting into crypto. And they, you know, we, we saw them more come on board and actually start to buy as the market went lower. We were actually very pleased to see that because historically, uh, I think crypto has, I think, and partially justified a reputation for sort of a FOMO, fear of missing out investors market, uh, where people are kind of trading and doing a lot of trend following, nothing wrong with that. But when folks would say, oh, well, the price is too high, and then the market would sell off, they'd say, oh, well, now it's sold off, I'm not so sure, and they, they wouldn't take the opportunity to buy in when prices were lower. But that's definitely not what we saw in the past couple months, as I mentioned. And so, you know, in fact, I would say the volatility, you know, increased the amount of trading we were doing, but mostly from the buy side and not from the sell side, from our clients, at least. In terms of increased onboarding of clients, are Asia's private clients coming into these markets? And if so, which coins could be beneficiaries? Yeah, so um, private clients definitely are coming in. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we do have a good showing of, of private wealth clients on our platform and private clients in general. I think for those folks, it's really just thinking about the same thing that any investor is going to be thinking about from retail on up, but that's really allocation into the portfolio. I think, you know, at the very least, you might say, you know, it's a bit Bayesian, sort of, what if you're wrong, you know, even if they're not quite sure about crypto yet, they know it's sort of here to stay. So they want to get some allocation to just diversify and have some exposure into into the space. But what I would say for most of our investors that uh, you know do onboard and come to the platform, they're they're farther along than that. They're really thinking how these different types of uh, cryptocurrencies and just the different projects in the space and blockchain technology is really going to become important. And they think this is the best way to have some exposure into that as opposed to say through the traditional equity markets. So from the clients you're you're seeing coming on board, where are people? looking to increase their holdings? I mean, really, they start with Bitcoin and ETH, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk being uh, made about NFTs, which I think are, are quite interesting and some of the projects going on in those spaces. And, you know, what you might hear about is some other coins like Avalanche and Solana and the other layer ones coming out. And those are also interesting. But really, mm-hmm. people do tend to start with the same coins that they've started with all along. I think those coins are still the best beneficiaries of new money coming into the market as, you know, not only is it their on-ramp to that, but you've seen them be the best performers relative to the rest of the crypto market, even in this time of volatility. So I think that's reassured people and they continue to keep a a decent portion of their initial assets into those coins. James, can we take a step back? What are sort of the range of digital assets that you provide investors access to? Um, Do gaming tokens, NFT, even digital art fall under that umbrella? Yes, they do, actually. So um, we have various different DeFi tokens. Um, We have other projects that are related to NFTs and what works going on in that space. And we offer a pretty 
wide range of coins. We also offer baskets on those coins for folks to get an exposure to several of them at the same time, but in those baskets, they actually own the individual coins. We also do customized digital art directly on our platform for our clients who own digital art and own different NF- particular NFTs themselves. Um, in fact, we can customize many different types of NFTs, not just digital art, but we've sort of specialized in digital art recently because we have a digital art gallery and crypto hub here in Hong Kong, which um, you know, potential clients and our clients can visit and come and um, you know see some of the digital art that's displayed on the wall and. That's really become an act, you know, very much a gateway for people to become further interested into cryptocurrencies and digital assets because it's a bit more tangible, obviously, to, to see that art, you know, right there on the wall and the digital art coming into the space. But that crypto hub is also used for education and introducing people to the uh, to the ecosystem of crypto. Now, speaking of digital art, what is your view, James, on investing in the metaverse? Where are the opportunities now? I think that's a difficult thing for for people to sort of jump into. I mm-hmm. think some of the different uh, coins that are around that are actually serving it, the picks and shovels, if you will. So some of the gaming system like Axie is is quite popular, and what's going on in Sand and the Metaverse is you know these are well known coins. Where I'm not really speaking to valuation or giving advice, but this is definitely where investors are at least looking to get into the space. But what's really happening in NFTs? to a large extent, has actually been people sort of speculating on the actual NFTs and including the digital art themselves. That That is a difficult game. I mean, most people actually end, you know, end up losing money on that, like in most speculative markets. But I think what it's showing is the promise of what NFTs as a technology can do, which I think is pretty amazing. So we're quite far ahead of what that will be able to deliver. But already you do see some interesting things in terms of the way that um, income can be distributed. Like, for example... In digital art, an artist can, you know, keep a, a share of the royalties for the art that they sell in the future, um, which sort of uh, aligns them with their future buyers and investors as they go forward over time. So that just sort of simple technological breakthrough with NFTs and how that's so cost effective for that artist to create or any creator to do on their platform, I think is exciting. But, uh, you know, we do urge caution in terms of investing in, you know, specific art or specific things. Um, You know, of course, if people love the art, they love the art. And are NFTs increasingly becoming popular here in Asia? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, very much. I mean, well, first of all, the, the sort of core um, use cases for, for NFTs, which have been gaming and uh, digital art, sort of the two big ones to start off in, in, in crypto and digital assets, have already been popular in Asia for years. I mean, Hong Kong has a, has a massive art community. Um, Asia is one of the leading gaming centers in the world. Um, you see that in Korea. You see that in greater China. You see that in you know Singapore and Southeast Asia. You're probably already aware that uh, Axie and other gaming tokens in NFT space have been driven what's going on in the Philippines, what's going on in Vietnam and some other parts of Southeast Asia. Mm. So it's massive in Asia and I think it's only become bigger. Let's get a step back for your take on themes at the crypto market uh, you're, that you're expecting to dominate in 2022 when it comes to digital assets. I think you're going to see um, a bit of a reversion to some of the the key, uh, you know, the core crypto products, uh, crypto coins like Ethereum and Bitcoin. I think those are going to still remain some of the most popular. I mean, uh, you know, Bitcoin, for example, Bitcoin dominance has gone lower over time as simply other coins have become larger. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think Bitcoin and ETH will continue to be 
a substantial part of the market um, because you're going to have more new investors coming in who are going to come into that space. But there's also been a massive amount of venture capital money that's already flown into, uh, into crypto. Last year, there was around $30 billion. That's an all-time record and was more than all the other years combined. In January, there's additional something like $5 billion by estimates um, that just passed this month. So expect to see a lot of M&A and continued building in the space. So it might be interesting for folks thinking about who do private investing, investing in those companies, or looking at those platforms and innovation around those. I'd also like to see, um, maybe more hopeful than a prediction, the continued institutionalization from a regulatory standpoint of what's right. happening in cryptocurrency and digital assets and it continued to mainstream as I think it has been. You know, there's been some bumps along the way, but as regulators get more comfortable and to see more financial products and sort of traditional channels that can help be a bridge directly for, for people to own coins and to own their own digital assets, like, for example, ETFs in, in, in other regions coming along on the spot side in, in um, some of the largest jurisdictions. Yeah, so the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission just a couple of days ago said it hadn't decided uh, whether or not to authorize a bitwise asset management to list a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. What sort of regulation are, are you seeing pick up pace um, in 2022? Yeah, I mean... Again, um, we're not exactly seeing regulation pick up pace, but we're seeing a lot more talk about it. So I think it's um, it's 100% clear that every major regulator is going to come out with a framework for this over time this year to some extent um, how robust or I should say how comprehensive that'll be will depend on you know the region they're coming out with. Hong Kong recently put out a circular to its already licensed firms and and how they may offer digital assets to their current client base. So those are firms that are already licensed, Um, you know, uh, but that is a securities, you know, Hong Kong uh, regime is a securities based one. So it only covers certain types of firms and certain types of products even though in this case they were talking specifically about digital assets. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like let's, if we take that ETF, for example, I think fundamentally we already have the futures ETF. And uh, if you look under the hood, what's, what's happening on the, from the futures ETF side, you know, needs to be uh, really the same uh, market inputs and the same trading under the back end of what under the ETF will happen on the spot side as well. So it should be only a matter of time before those types of products get approved in every major region. So I think if you're backing crypto or you're looking forward to for the space to continue to expand, you just hope there isn't a kind of uh, something that happens unexpectedly. Otherwise, we expect, you know, whether the regimes are a little bit more strict or a little bit more open, as long as they are clear, I think that is the best result for the, the, the ecosystem and for actually the opportunity of people to invest into crypto and digital assets as part of their portfolios, which I think is what investors are really demanding. Interesting. If we take a step back and look at geopolitics and the impact on this space. So we've been speaking with commentators who believe a Russian invasion of Ukraine is quite likely. And if that does happen, it could send shockwaves through financial markets. We've seen it impact oil and other commodities, not so much U.S. stocks. Well, how could a Russian invasion of Ukraine, what, what sort of impact could that have in digital assets? space? 
Uh, hard to say. You know, I mean, there is definitely some mining that happens in those types of regions, so there could be some short-term disruption. Sure. But generally, uh, but generally, what you've seen is the more unstable the world. That's generally been over the medium and long term better for cryptocurrency and digital assets. Remember, a lot of people just don't really see the need for decentralization. But mm-hmm. then, when they realize what can happen, in you know, when nation states change their mind about something or there's conflict. To have the robustness of decentralization, you really see how it can be value in that type of situation. So I'd say in general, although there could be you know um, short-term negative effects, I would assume over the medium or longer term that a more uncertain world is probably better for, in particular, decentralized cryptocurrencies and digital assets, and especially the ones that have a lot of history of proving themselves as a network like Bitcoin and ETH in particular. Interesting perspective. And before we let you go, do you expect Bitcoin volatility to increase, James? Actually, to be honest, I think that it will probably uh, go a little bit lower uh, from where it was certainly in the beginning of January when the market was selling off. In general, Bitcoin volatility, or I should say cryptocurrency volatility in general, has been to the upside. Mm. Now, as you see more institutionalization, you might have a more classic uh, you know, volatility regime change over time. might not happen this year, but certainly over the next couple of years, mm. we'll start to see volatility more to the downside over the long term instead of to the upside because there'll be money kind of waiting on the sidelines, you know, starting to keep putting in the market. So as long as it remains relatively robust, in relation to equities, even if equities aren't doing well or other types of um, investments, I would expect volatility to remain you know, relatively where it is, but we might see some increased volatility on the downside versus, say, the upside, which we've seen in the past. Great speaking with you. Thanks for joining us. James Quinn from Q9 Capital. They're a full-service crypto investment platform. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.